Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is the Lois J. Wetzel Show, and I'm your host and executive producer, Lois Wetzel, coming to you live this morning from 9 a.m. Houston, Texas, Central Time. I want to remind you to register for Blog Talk Radio. It's free, and if you do that, you can rate my show, mark it as a favorite, and let people know that you were here and listening to my show. You can get reminders of upcoming shows. It's all free. My call-in number is 347-945-5309. You can call using the telephone or Skype. You can listen on your phone or your computer. If you're calling in and you want to ask a question, just hit the number 1 and I'll know that you would like to ask a question. I also want to remind you that I offer a free email newsletter about metaphysics spirituality, the coming changes, all the kinds of things we talk about here on this show. I've been sending this newsletter out for about 12 years, and to sign up for that, you would go to my website, hotpinklotus.com. I do not share email addresses with anyone because your privacy is important. Good morning on this wonderful Friday morning that has most of us in South Texas completely iced in. Kind of a change for us. It's clo- it's colder here in Texas than it is in Anchorage, Alaska today, which I think is kind of fascinating. Today I'm going to be talking with Joan Walker, who acts as a channel for the Ascended Master Kuthumi and for various archangels, including Gabriel. She does this on behalf of many, many famous teachers and writers in the field of spirituality, names you would recognize. So we're going to be talking today with Joan about what she does and how she came to be doing it. Good morning, Joan. Good morning, Lois. How are you this morning? A little bit chilly, but yeah, to be expected. Yeah, a coating of ice all over everything outside, which is unusual for this part of Texas, down by the Gulf of Mexico. I bet it's beautiful. It is. It's quite it's lovely. You stay inside. <laughs> yeah, it's slippery. Slippery. <laughs> yeah, all the schools are closed. So you live um, in Arkansas, and you do a lot of work having to do with um, healing um, through doing channeled work with Ascended Masters and Archangels on behalf of or acting as a guide for other teachers. Is this correct? Do I have that um, right? Yes. I um, bring through information that is very appropriate for these times in spirit, your spiritual evolution and also in growing your conscious awareness. So mm-hmm. then they can interweave it in their teachings uh, for their students, as is appropriate for whatever level they're teaching. Okay. And are you comfortable with talking about who some of those people are or no? Yeah, sure. Okay. <clears throat> um, I For the last five years, I have been very active in the I Am Light meditation curriculum. Um much of that curriculum was channeled um, through me uh, by the Master Realm, uh, Master Kathumi being the main um, representative of the Masters. And it's a wonderful curriculum that has developed and continues to develop as people are able to embrace their spirituality and grow their consciousness. So it, it's a ever ongoing evolution Um, so as students are able to embrace the curriculum and change their patterns uh, more information is given uh, to help them along their path I have also in those last five years uh, been training for Jim Self um, in the rays of creation and this comes through the archangelic realm Um, it's, it's how 
there are many rays, and I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with some of them, uh, but these particular rays are uh, specific to creation, how creation um, evolved and how to create, you know, all the way down to how to create in your life, how to manifest in your life. Um, so this has been you know, quite exciting for me to be able to bring through this information because it's it's not, you know, this information that has come is not just for I am light or just for Jim Self's teaching of the rays. Um, th- there are a lot of commonalities in both of those uh, streams of information that are very valuable in these times. Okay, and you're teaching a class with Jim right now, one of his advanced classes, right? Yes, his level three uh, that mm-hmm. has happened, uh through the eighth ray now. Wow. So now these are rays of light, is that correct? When you say the rays, you're talking about a form of light? Um, yes, uh, they are of light, but many of them... Uh, in addition, each ray has a massive component, of course, of light, but it also, many of them contain sound frequencies and vibrations. They contain um, color vibrations uh, to enhance the creative process, um, geometric configurations uh, to help stabilize and hold the concepts and the energetics in the physical realm. Um, there is, you know, quite a, a difference from having that creation start and begin in the um, um, divine realms or what you might term the higher realms of creation. Um, and then bringing that, stepping it down and bringing that actually into the physical realms, not just the earth plane or how we use it in our physicality, but uh, uh, there's a whole sector in creation that has various states of form in it. So there is, through these rays, there's a stepping down process where it makes the rays and the energetics within those rays very um, compatible in certain dimensional uses. So it's it's kind of a, a, a complex at first, you know, when we start, first start talking about that, it's pretty complex energetically, but as you begin to study and use the concepts and use the energetics that the angelics are so gracious to um, give to us at these times, um it becomes um, a very usable um, set of formats that have been given. Um, These rays of creation were present in before the fall of consciousness in ancient, ancient times. Um, And then when humanity and the physical realms of creation fell to such a degree all the way to third dimension, they were removed from the consciousness. They were removed from the physical realm so they could not be misused. And it's only now that it's important that they be returned in their fullness so people can, as they raise their consciousness, as they raise their awareness, uh, they can begin to use these rays to create and manifest in their life as they were intended. So these are tools that the more expanded we become, the more likely we are to need to use them in order to um, function to our maximum ability? Correct. Okay. So when you talk about light and color, I'm, I'm understanding that you are talking about an etheric or esoteric level of light and color, not something that most of us can currently see with our eyes open. Correct. Um, 
but some, uh, many of us can, if we try, see with our eyes closed because then we can see with the third eye or, or inside our heads. Do you do you agree with that? Very much so. Okay. Um, so ways that as we expand that we can use these are, are to, uh, for example, create what, what it is we want in the world, um, heal ourselves and others, or how would we use these rays? Some practical well, way. create what you intend consciously and wow. manifest it. Wow. So if you're operating in um, a state of consciousness that where you you create your reality very unconsciously and you have a lot of pain and misery and then you wonder, well, how come that happened to me? What you don't realize is that you are a creative being made in the image and similitude of source. So your true nature is to create. Whether you are conscious of that or not, you are constantly creating your reality. So the key to all of this, uh, for many of us who have been in metaphysics for a very long time, is to remain conscious remain conscious about what we're thinking and how we're feeling because that is the first step in creating in the physical realm, creating your reality in a physical body. Your thoughts coupled with your emotional response create and manifest an effect. So, yes. Go ahead. No, that's okay. The, the first time, the very first time I ever heard someone say, well, you have to, this was maybe 23, 25 years ago, the first time I ever heard someone say, well, you have to control your thoughts because thoughts manifest and they're going to be doing that more and more as we expand and as a race of beings. And I'm going, that's ridiculous. No one can control what they're thinking. <laughs> and I'll bet there are people that, that hear that and go, I can't control what's coming out of my mouth, and I can't control what's going on in my head, and I'm here to tell you that you can. It just takes some discipline. It does. <laughs> and practice. Yeah. It is possible, but the first time I heard it, I went, oh, that's ridiculous. No one can control what they're thinking, but you can. Well, and, so. and also, Lois, it's not so much about controlling it. It's about choosing what you are going to think and how you are going to feel. And if you have not practiced this or paid attention to it, it can be exhausting at first. And Mm -hmm. you do that 24 hours a day because you are not, um, you haven't built a foundation to hold that concept or to have that discipline to choose every thought you are going to think and every feeling you are going to feel. So if you want your joy, your your life to be in peace, harmony, and joy, you have to choose those recurrent thoughts that you are thinking and the feelings that you are feeling that represent that, that manifest that state of being. And this is becoming more and more true with every passing day. The more we, what we are thinking and feeling the more, as time marches on, the more intensely and immediately these things manifest. Absolutely. And and that's the good news, and it's also probably some scary news for a few people who haven't thought that they could ever control that or choose that sort of thing. And, you know, you really can, I want to say to everybody listening, you really can choose how you feel. If you start to feel a certain way, go, whoa, hey, that's not in my best interest, no. If you decide it's not in your best interest, choose again. How am I going to feel about this? How am I going to interpret this event so that I can feel in a positive way about it? Because you can choose your feelings. Absolutely. feelings help those thoughts manifest. And if they are negative feelings, you can then, if you have time, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why contemplation, uh, quiet time is so beneficial because you can then trace those feelings back to a thought. And that's where the feeling 
originated is a thought that you're thinking coupled with that feeling produce an outcome. So um, it really helps to to get to know yourself better and mm-hmm. to to choose, to use a gift that has been given to you from source, and that is the gift of free will. When you are in reaction, you cannot choose. You have given up that gift because you have already reacted unconsciously. Uh-huh. So you said earlier you have to control it 24 hours a day. Now, I'm wondering how we control that when we're asleep. And I, I'm thinking that that is important because you it create is. when you're asleep, too. Absolutely. So you ask for help. You ask for help from the angelic realm. You ask for help from your guides. You Before you go into the sleep state, don't ever drop off to sleep without saying a prayer or connecting with your higher self and your God presence. Um, and then just trust that in a sleep state, all is in divine order. Yeah, that that's an excellent way to do it. And, and I don't know if you know this or not, but there, I, I had a... I made contact with somebody for a while about 15 years ago who's a, a Rinpoche Lama and worked with him a bit. And uh, he explained to me that there's a whole sect of Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism, that um, joins shamanism with their Buddhism and mm-hmm. that they do mudras in their sleep so that they can continue their spiritual practice um, and they also do uh, yogi, yogic postures in their sleep so they can continue their spiritual development while they are sleeping. Wow. Yeah, he wrote a book called The Tibetan Yogas of Dream and Sleep. Wow, how wonderful. Yeah. What a discipline, you know. Um, we just don't value in our culture, I don't think, um, discipline, self-discipline and discipline to a practice, to adhere to a practice. Yes. And the Buddhists have a saying, you know, that take your seat, which means you have to stay still, get disciplined, and follow your guidance. But that takes taking your seat and be, being still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not something we do easily in the western culture at any at any rate we we think we've got to be human doings instead of human beings and, and we want inst- an instant result so we flip as a culture now not everyone but we flip from one one teaching to another mm-hmm. because we are searching for that instant cure instead of something that you resonate with taking your seat and following that path with perseverance and discipline. I agree. And um, and the rewards that come from doing the same practice again and again and again might take some time, but they can be profound. Oh, absolutely. Profound. And that's what, if people are flitting from one thing to another because they, they aren't getting instant gratification, they'll they'll never learn the prof- how the depth and the profound nature of an, uh, a devoted spiritual practice, what that can be like. Yeah. Um, but you have to find one that resonates with you because I've, I've said mantras that just didn't and I've done types of meditation that just didn't, but when I find one that does, I stick with it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't explore because sometimes you have to explore different options before you find one that you really resonate with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Um, and um, so how did you – you weren't always a person who channeled, were you? No. No. I was very much – Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Very involved in my daily life, just like everyone is. And you worked in the corporate world for quite a while, didn't you? Um, Well, not really the corporate uh, world, but I owned my own business. And I had 
20 employees. So um, uh, I did that for 20 years. And in the middle of all that, the stress was so great because I felt very deeply about my responsibilities to my employees, to my clients, um, that type of thing. So it, it just seemed to me that my life wasn't working. So I turned to meditation um, and prayer to help me um, it, with the stress. And I found that um, it was it was so important for me to have that, to develop that practice and have that practice so that when I was in the workplace that I could work at my optimum in a very calm, um, harmonious way and direct the way the energies and the flow of things were in the workplace. So I found that invaluable. And it was then during that exploration that I... Uh, would get messages um, from my guides. Um, first, it was more internal, but it was like they were speaking to me. I could hear it. Um, and then one day they started to speak through me. So for many years, uh, it was just a private thing uh, for me um, and that I received guidance from my guides. So that's how it began. And so how long ago was that? Oh, my, that was in the 80s. Like, it all started, I guess, around the harmonic convergence. Hmm. Interesting coincidence. It was very interesting that I would open at that time because, you know, before that, that wasn't even in my awareness or my dreams, you know. It was just like get up, go to work, do what you got to (laughs) do. So that was kind of, you know, a heads up for me as I reflect back on it. So yeah, then... That, that was a pivotal time, I think, for a whole lot of people. Oh, absolutely. It was a, a, a very uh, magnificent time. Indeed. It really was. Had you uh, Were you aware of the harmonic convergence at that time? I had, um, in the city in which I lived, um, there was a metaphysical bookstore that they had. Um, various people would come and teach different things. And um, so I had I had gone there to get some books on meditation and um, explore different ways of thinking. And so that's when I became acquainted with metaphysics and yeah then i um i was very aware that it was the harmonic convergence yeah i um i was aware of all that going on at that time as well and it seems like we've come such a long way since then oh absolutely absolutely so what when was the first time you ever channeled for someone else other than just listening to your guides yourself um, I was in a, a group of women who studied the Course in Miracles. And when we would meet to study, um, of course, afterward, there would always be conversations over coffee. And I mentioned to a couple of my friends that I was getting this guidance. And they said, oh, well, could you try to get some guidance for us <laughs> in the mm-hmm. class? So a couple of times I did that, but it really wasn't comfortable. And my guidance was telling me it was not the time. Mm. I didn't. I stopped. And then um, I started, I had a change of guides, and I started to channel Archangel Ariel. And I think that's when things started to escalate, because by then I was very seated in a, in a meditation practice, and I had explored many things. I had studied The Course of Miracles. I had studied many different things. Um, So my consciousness 
had grown enough that I could accept um, the presence of an archangel. And so I started to channel Archangel Ariel, and it was right around that time that I met Susan Waters. And she and I had a conversation, and I told her that I had begun to channel Archangel Ariel. Uh, And she asked me if I would um, try to bring uh, Ariel through. And so I did. And a couple of years, it was a couple of years after that, that she invited me to participate in the I Am Light. And when it first started, we thought that it was just a, we thought maybe it was a book that would, Uh, describe a meditation practice or to encourage meditation. And so uh, we were together trying to um, get the material together to begin to write. And um, we were just getting nowhere. It was just like a dead end. So I said to her, well, maybe I could try to channel Archangel Ariel and we could get a little guidance on, on where to start. Well, lo and behold, Archangel Ariel came and then said, I will step back now because another wishes to speak. And lo and behold, it was Master Kathumi. Well, I was just absolutely blown away because I never... Uh, considered that I could channel such an auspicious teacher. And he was very direct and said, there will be no book, this is a meditation, and he was very specific on how it began. But he never mentioned that there would be a whole curriculum developed. And I think he didn't mention it because I would probably have been just petrified. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) how I felt. You know, when the Ankanash came on board and started telling me things, I just started writing it down. But if they'd told me everything they had in mind for Adena Energy Medicine, I would have hidden under the bed and never come back out again. Absolutely. So you know what I'm talking about. I do. (laughs) Yeah, they don't want to scare you. No, and they want it to be easy. You know, they don't want to put a lot on you at one time. So as you are able to accept basic concepts and basic teachings, then they continually add to that to stretch you without causing you any anxiety. They want it to be with ease and grace and of benefit and helpful. Um, They're very loving, wonderful beings, and they're very considerate. I have found them to be very considerate of me as a a person with all my frailties. Yes, and and why would they want to frighten us? It would be counterproductive to everything that we're trying to do together. Well, we have enough of that in the collective already. You know, they don't add to that, and they're very wise, very wise. Yes, indeed. So, I mean, I have to um, really give credit to Susan Waters because she really... Um, help me by facilitating a safe environment and a safe place for me to grow my skills. Um, Because I was afraid and I was concerned that I would be channeling uh, in the highest light and not channeling uh, entities of lower thought. Uh, And that the, the material that I did channel was very concise, and in accordance with divine will. So she really helped me develop my skills by facilitating that and holding the space for that to be unfolded. Can we talk a bit a bit more about, I, I mentioned to you the other day when we were talking about doing this show that I have a concern that there are people who just have barely gotten their toe in the water with spirituality and metaphysics and they start trying to channel when they're still kind of wet behind the ears. And um, what do you have any advice for people who are just getting started and, and are trying to channel but don't have a, a lot of time 
uh, invested in their meditation practice, for example? Um, well, I think that, um, well, when you first start, I think that you have unrealistic um, awareness of the many levels that are in creation and the many types of beings that um, are in that creative space, um, whether they're embodied or not embodied. So you have to really start to look within and look at your ego and what is the driving motivation for you is it to make a name for yourself? Is it to uh, make yourself look more advanced? Those are things of the ego. If it's genuinely from a humble perspective that you want to connect more fully with Prime Creator, your source, and that you want a teaching or you want guidance, um, that's a whole different motivation. And that comes, that motivation, that intention comes from developing um, a practice of connecting daily, consistently to your source, to the one you consider God, um, and to develop and discipline yourself to have times where you contemplate what makes you tick and what motivates you in various ways. Also, develop times that you sit quiet and pray and just be, open and just be. Um, How about a daily meditation practice? Do you think that's important? Well, it is to me. I mean, I just couldn't. Of course, I've had a meditation practice for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. So for me, it sets the tone of the day. It makes that connection so that when I'm getting guidance, I know, I can trust that, that it's not something my ego has conjured up mm -hmm. to make myself look good um, with others in my mm -hmm. relationships. And I've heard of three different levels, and I'm curious to if you have read this as well or heard this as well, that there are light beings, the kind that you want to connect with, and then there are the purely dark ones who are very scary and dangerous. But there's a third type in between, and they're light beings, but they're not light beings that have our best interest at heart. They just don't understand what we're doing here. And they tr and they do things like pump up our ego and tell us how wonderful we are, and mm -hmm. sort of mislead us from our true path. Well, that's, that's the thing that concerns me. They're they're called luciferics, and they're not really dark like the big black scary demonic things are. But they're they're very some of them you know, and I think there's probably more levels than three levels. Yeah, Maybe some so. of them are like very childlike. You know, they're scamps. They, you know, it's like, hmm, let's stir this up and see what happens. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you just have to be very, um, just like when you go into a, um, a social environment, you choose those environments that are in your best interest. You wouldn't go yeah. to a... Um, Parker bar. Yeah. I wouldn't anyway. No, um, of course. But, I mean, it's the same principle, really. Mm -hmm. Yep. So in order to uh, make sure that you have a connection that is viable and that is light-filled, you have to build a foundation for that. And you have to, before I channel, I always, uh, if I'm channeling for a class, I spend 10 or 15 minutes before that class setting my connections, creating what I call a crucible or a, um environment that is light-filled, and I set the angelics around that space of my students and me um, so that it is only 
um, light that can penetrate those shields that I ask them to put up on the container for the class. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way if I'm pri- privately asking for guidance. I set the environment. Mm-hmm. I create the environment. So I think that is very, very important to create the environment to bring through um, the guidance. Regardless. Connecting to source before you do any kind of channel. Exactly. Yeah, okay. And I ask for grace. I ask for grace. You know, I I don't think people realize that source is, um, it's an ever-loving entity or being Mm -hmm. um, that is always giving uh, to every part of creation great love, much light, light frequencies that that help in the creative process. But also there's that element of grace that is given freely. And we forget that and don't open ourselves to receive it or even ask for it. So I I, that um, would be a very um, helpful for those uh, who feel like they have a gift uh, to channel and bring through information, to um, ask for God's grace, ask for light, so that you are used as the vehicle for that expression in the highest way. Beautifully put, Joan. We have several people here with their hands up who have called in. And if you have a question for Joan, could you please go to the chat and type out the question? Now, um, you're not doing individual readings for people here today, but uh, do you do them um, for individuals uh, over the phone, for example, if they make an appointment or no? I used to, Lois, but I have been so involved in the development of these two teachings that I'm really involved in that it um, it just doesn't allow me to do that. It takes a lot of energy. People uh, don't realize how much energy it takes uh, now, because you're sitting there, but it takes an enormous amount of energy to make and sustain that kind of connection. Exactly. And sometimes in a teaching setting, I may be in trance for 30, 45 minutes at a time. And when I used to do private sessions, that would be at least 45 minutes to an hour. So it just, um, and my guidance told me that my prime purpose, the reason that I have this gift, is to bring forth these teachings uh, for to advance collective consciousness. Yeah. And that if I wanted to do the private thing, that was perfectly all right, but not to let it interfere. Well, it had gotten to a point where it was interfering. So I I don't do that anymore. Yeah. So bringing forth these beautiful teachings. So do you are you teaching a class yourself at this point in time, or are you uh, facilitating information coming through for the classes of others? Or I'm not or? teaching a class. Um, right at this moment, but I I expect that that in this next year that is what will develop. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of in a um, in that not really a transition, but in a very creative space where I have done these things for uh, for various projects that I have been asked to do. But I think that there is a space there that I could. Um, you know, be teaching on my own at some point. But at this yeah. time, no. Well, I'm hoping you'll keep me apprised of that because I'm interested in, you know, your teaching because I, uh, I feel like what, what you're, the work you're doing is very, very powerful. So um, is there, do you have other things you want to be sure people know about channeling or about uh the rays or, or anything else? Is there anything you you feel like you want to make sure people know? Well, I just think that um, I would encourage 
everyone to um, develop a practice of introspection so that not only can they see the things that are hindering their growth or their conscious awareness of things, but they can begin to see um, the beauty of their soul, the beauty of who they are and the intricacies in which God created them. Um, They're very powerful beings. And it's not all about power, but it is about opening the heart and being aware of, of, of who you are as part of that essence of the divine. And um, so I just would encourage people to um, take a little time in the midst of all the chaos and the busyness to spend 5, 10, 15 minutes a day at first to really develop that connection uh, with source um, so that when they create in their life, they can create more consciously. They can create what they intend. They can create the loving uh, environment um, that is abundant and flowing. Um, That's what I would encourage Well, do you uh, feel like you want to um, do any kind of channeling on the show today for people who are listening as a whole or for people who may come later, or would you rather not do that? Or um, I most certainly would be open to that. Okay. Who who do you feel like you would like to bring through? Well, who is wanting to come through? Sure. Um, I feel like Master Kasumi is sitting here with me um, because he is such the teacher. He is the master teacher. And um, so I'm thinking that that would probably be uh, a wonderful being um, to have more present in this conversation. Great. There are about... Fifteen minutes left in the show, just letting you know that before we start, okay? Okay. All right. All right, give me a minute here. Greetings. It is I, Kasumi. I am very pleased to be invited to speak through this vehicle. Uh, Many of you have been on a spiritual path for a very long time. And there are others who are searching. And so I have come to address what is available to all of you, regardless of where you are in your on your spiritual path and in your transformational process. These are very auspicious times to be embodied, dear ones. And it is so valuable to all of creation to have beings such as yourself in a physical body, in these times, to help in the escalation of this sector of creation. Not only Mother Earth, but many sectors that have physicality. As most of you know, we are in the process of raising a dimensional realm on the earth plane, raising Mother Earth to fifth dimension. This is a wonderful, wonderful dimension. It is a very fluid dimension where creation is very powerful and potent. And manifestation occurs Instantly, there is a flow of abundance on all levels 
that is present in fifth dimension. Time is reconfigured in fifth dimension. And within the realm of fifth dimension, the now, the present moment, is the only part of time that you are concerned with. Because this is the time, the moment that creation takes place and manifests. So you are not relegated to the past or invested in the future, but you are constantly creating in the now. In third dimension, this is a very polarized dimension. Good, bad, black, white. As you transition out of that thought system into a fourth dimension, your consciousness opens up to the gray areas, the possibilities, the ability to create more efficiently. And then as you step into fifth dimension, it is constant creation, many opportunities, many options to choose from. So if you manifest something that isn't to your liking, it isn't good, it isn't bad, it's, just, it's a creation. And you create it differently now. Not next year, not next month, but now. There is such freedom that you are standing on the precipice of at this time that allows that creative force within you to be manifested. So I encourage you to continue to persevere. Many of us who have come to assist you in this lifting and shifting of a dimension are here for you. Be conscious of that. The angelic realm is here in mass to provide many energetic components that allow you to utilize light, light frequencies, sound vibrations in your creative process to escalate the consciousness. But remember this. You, dear ones, are the ones with the body. You are the ones that have embodied in form to be an integral part of this. We, as masters, as angelic, cannot do this without you. You are the ones in form, creating form. And this is an integral part of this shift. So are you going to create it from a third dimensional, polarized, static state of being? Or are you going to embrace your godliness, your creativeness, in a very fluid, resonant way with that God essence that is within you? So I am here just to perk your imagination a little, to encourage you to embrace the fullness of who you are as a creative being, as a being of light filled with the essence of the divine. These times are very auspicious and many, many 
waves of light have streamed onto your planet, onto this physical realm, to assist in the shift. They are continually coming from the Godhead in many ways. Your science has detected many solar flares, solar winds that are taking place now. This is all part of this transformational process. Don't get stuck in the thought that, oh, these are terrible times. Oh, my, no. They are so auspicious and light-filled. Embrace them for what they are. Times of change. Times to create with freedom and light, peace and harmony. The golden years that have been spoken of in ancient times are upon you. And you, dear ones, are the ones that will usher that into being through your creative abilities. But you must be conscious when you create so that you can fully establish what is desired. I thank you so much for receiving me and giving me the opportunity to speak with you today. Thank you, Master Kutumi. You're welcome. Blessings. I'm back. Thank you, Joan, for channeling that for us. That was very beautiful, beautiful words from Master Kutumi. Such a, a wonderful teacher. Yeah, and for those who don't know, Kuthumi had, like everybody else, multiple past lives, and one of which was as the great teacher Pythagoras. And uh, another as the, as I understand it, the, the man who built the Taj Mahal. Correct. And many, many other past lives before he achieved um, full enlightenment in the lifetime in as Kuthumi and and what that wasn't too long ago. It was in the eighteen hundreds, right? He was very um much present in the time of Madame Blavatsky. Oh. He was alive at that time. Hmm. He was also um Saint Francis of Assisi. So he's a very um there's a part of that master that is very um, loving and has a, a, a huge uh, compassion for people who are embodied. And the earth itself, the animals, uh, Mother Earth, um, he's a very uh, loving, compassionate master. So just out of curiosity, are you aware of having had a past life with him in one of his incarnations? Um, yes, I, I do have some awareness of that. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think as I you know, go on my path, there's a part of me that thinks that we don't have really a full understanding of you know, our several incarnations and how um, all uh, figures into things. Um, there's just much more to that than being in a body with a master or, you know, those things. It's it's much more complex than what we that than what we know. Yeah, that's what I've come to realize while we're um, as I do occasional records readings for people. Um, what I have come to see is that uh, it is a very complicated web 
between the various lifetimes each of us has had and between lifetimes we've had with others. It's not and not a simple thing at all. No. And they, and the connections are still there because from the po- viewpoint of the soul, all these lifetimes are occurring simultaneously because there is no time. Exactly, exactly. And the thing of it is, when you embody in a body, there's only a very minimum portion of your soul that is embodied right. in that form because your your soul is a massive creative mm-hmm. uh, form. Right, right. So um, there's just a lot about that that we don't know. But we, you know, we meet people or we have interactions and there's a familiarity right. that takes place. So, you, you know, you then you kind of start to look, well, what was that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes you can intuit or if you have someone like you who is very adept at that type of reading, um, you can get... Um, information and it's not so much about the curiosity of it for me it's more about what gifts and abilities that i have at that time that i'm not using now or mm-hmm. what um stumbling blocks um come from that life that i'm having to look at this time and i have the tools and abilities to remove those now right those Pretty good explanations of why I do Akashic Records readings to help people understand who they are, what their skills, talents, gifts are, and what their stumbling blocks are and what they misunderstood in another lifetime, particularly at the moment of death, that if they understood it more clearly, a lot of stumbling blocks get removed automatically. Yes, absolutely. And their life makes sense. Mm -hmm. And flows more easily and they become more in tune with their life purpose. Yeah, Absolutely. So, you know, having someone like you is very valuable. It's a valuable well, thank act. You. Thank you very much. Well, and we're just almost out of time, so I'm going to say thank you for being here. I hope you'll do it again real soon. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for inviting me. Well, you're welcome. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. I want to thank everybody who came to listen to the show today, whether you came to listen live or in the archives. I do hope you'll come again. Next week, we're going to be um, talking with uh, brain not functioning. Um, oh, yes, we're going to be talking about ancient mysteries, unveiling ancient mysteries. There's going to be a conference in Houston. March the 5th, we're going to be talking with one of those organizers, Peggy Sue Hipper. And come listen to uh, the book, to her talk about the book that she has written uh, in partnership with Dr. Sam Osmanagic, the discoverer of the Bosnian pyramids and the other people. And this uh, conference will be uh, Chris Dunn and Andrew Collins. And it should be uh, unearthing ancient mysteries. Should be very exciting. And uh, go to uh, their website if you want to learn more. It is tnettimes.net. The new era time. Thanks again for being here. Enjoy the music. If you want to know about my past life readings, you can go to hotpinklotus.com. Music is by Coronash.